0: also say Happy Father's Day to everyone. Uh, one of my memories uh, of Father's Day was a year ago. I was preaching in Wisconsin, and uh, three of my children got in the car, unbeknownst to me. I think my wife was the mastermind behind it. And they showed up uh, at the church where I was preaching in Wisconsin. And... Um, I looked, I, so I'm giving announcements, and I'm looking this way, and then I look over this way, and there's my children. And it, t- it caught me so off guard that I was speechless. And if you know me, that's kind of a rare moment. And I go, oh, my kids are here. And, of course, the congregation just was so delighted that I got pumped by my children. <laughs> so, um, anyway, uh, so happy Father's Day. There is a passage I want us to look at this morning. It's in the book of Jude. If you know your Bible, you get to Revelation. That's the last book of the Bible. The next to the last book is the book of Jude. And it's a very small book. In fact, there's no chapters. There's just verses. And I'm going to be uh, reading a passage of Scripture, Jude verse 1 through verse 3. Then we're going to focus specifically on the first verse of Jude. So, if you've got your Bibles, we want to look at Jude beginning at the verse numbered 1. Jude 1. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called, beloved in God the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ, may mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Beloved, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come into your presence first with a uh, humbled heart. Um, We are um, sinners who need grace. We have thumbed our nose at you. We have walked away from your generosity time and time again. And you keep bidding us to come and you seek us out and bring us back into relationship with yourself. We ask your forgiveness. We also come before you and invite the Holy Spirit to have his way in our minds and our hearts. It's one thing to hear the word of God, to sort of cognitively know what we're reading about, but it's quite a different thing when it seeps down into our heart and begins to bring change to us. And so we invite the Holy Spirit to do that Christ-wrought change that is so necessary that we might become more Christ-like. So have your way, Holy Spirit, and we ask in Jesus' name, amen. The Christian life is a life of treasures and blessings. This is how the Bible describes the Christian life. You have passages like Second Corinthians four verse seven, where it says, "We have this treasure, which is Christ in earthen vessels, Christ in us." You have Second Corinthians chapter eight verse nine, where it says, "Jesus, who was rich, for our sake became poor, that we who were poor might become rich in Christ Jesus." First uh, Ephesians chapter one, verse three, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places or in the passage that has just been read to you. Jude verse one, the Christian life is a life of blessings and treasures. The writer of this passage of scripture is identifying himself as Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. Now, if you know a little bit of the genealogy of our Lord Jesus Christ, you will know that Jude is a half-brother of our Savior Jesus Christ. He has the same mother as Jesus, different fathers. He wrote this book 30 years after the ascension of Jesus Christ into heaven. In less than three decades, certain people have crept into the church that is undermining the gospel of Jesus Christ, And it's destroying the family of God. Jude really is about spiritual warfare. That we are in a war. When we come in and start walking with Jesus, we are thrust into the middle of a war. It's a spiritual war. There's adversaries that are seeking to take out the people of God. As in the case of the people whom this book is written to, which is written to us as well. There is an adversary that is seeking to take us out. Basically, Jude's message is, stand tall in the saddle and fight for the faith. In fact, in that verse 3 passage, he says it very clearly, contend for the faith, or the gospel of Jesus Christ. Today, our focus is not on the call to contend, but rather on just that first verse, which I like to title, Our Riches in Christ. We'll explore the three treasures that are revealed here In just verse 1, these aren't the only treasures that we find ourselves uh, receiving in Christ. There are multitudes and multitudes, thousands upon thousands of treasures and blessings we receive when we follow Jesus Christ. We're just looking at three. So we're going to examine those three in verse 1. Jude, verse 1, and here's the first treasure. Notice the text. He says, Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, brother of James, to those who are called. That's the first treasure. The Lord calls us to himself. Jude identifies the recipients of the letter as called ones, people that have been called. What does that mean? To be called means to be invited to a banquet. The, the Lord calls sinners to the banquet of his grace and mercy. Well, you say, how does he do that? How does he call that? If you're having a party, if you're having a birthday party or or an anniversary celebration, you put in the mail a card and you send that card to whom you are inviting. That's how we invite someone to our banquets. Well, how does God invite sinners to his banquet table? So if you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. We're still in the New Testament. Romans chapter 10. Look at verse 14. This is how God calls people to the banquet of his grace. Here it is. Romans 10, verse 14. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? And notice that next verse, verse 17. You all know it by heart. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. It is as the gospel is preached... God is sending an invitation to sinners to come to the banquet of his grace and mercy. That's how sinners come to experience his grace. So this gospel is so vitally important. As you share the gospel of Jesus Christ, God speaks to sinners to invite him to himself. So the gospel is comprised of two gospel events. These are essential gospel events. 1 Corinthians 15 identifies these gospel events. I deliver to you of what is first importance, that Christ died to forgive sins, according to the scriptures, was buried, and that he was raised on the third day. According to the scriptures, the Bible says that the gospel is comprised of three essential events, the death of Jesus Christ and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus died on the cross to bring forgiveness of sins. He shed his blood on the sins. Sorry, Stephen Chalky, this is not cosmic child abuse. This is what God had to do in order to reconcile sinners to himself. So Jesus dies on the cross, sheds his blood, where we are cleansed from our sins and brought into relationship with him. That's the first essential gospel event. The second gospel event is so glorious Jesus rose on the third day. And this resurrection experience, while we're always thinking about it, it's one day in the future, the resurrection is to be experienced today. Remember in that passage in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10, where Paul writes and he says, I want to know Christ and I want to know the power of his resurrection. Meaning that we can experience that force that moved down into the tomb that held the body of Jesus Christ and brought him back to life. We can experience that power each and every day. Now, if you were a mother, you should have said amen to that. If you have little children that are running around, you should be rejoicing that you have resurrection power. Any of us here who've got responsibilities in life or are facing crisis should rejoice that we can live by resurrection power today. The gospel is comprised of these two gospel events. When we sit down and share the gospel of Jesus Christ, and I know that's it's important to say God loves people, but it's even more important to tell them how God loved them. Jesus died on the cross to forgive them of their sins and then rose on the third day. That is the invitation God sends out to sinners in bringing them to the banquet of his grace and mercy. Probably a few years back when I was here, I shared just a brief testimony of my life. Um, druggy, alcoholic, uh, on my way to death. Uh, I was a pagan. I was a reprobate. I was not raised in a Christian home. Knew nothing about Christianity. And I was going to die from my, uh, my vices. A friend of mine calls me up. One night, i at a party, and I'm high as a kite. He says, Warren, well, let's get together. He was a Marine that was one to Christ in the jungles of Vietnam. I said, all right, yeah, yeah, I'll come down and, and see you. So I go to leave the party and drive down to where we had a late dinner. I do not know how I got there, but there I was sitting across the table And my friend Bo laid out the gospel of Jesus Christ. Suddenly, the alcohol in my veins evaporated, and the fog of drugs cleared my head. And I heard God's love for me through the person of Jesus Christ. And later, I called upon Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior The call of God went to me through the preaching of the gospel. The call of God to sinners is the priceless treasure God gives to us. He reaches into our lives and calls us to himself. That's the first treasure found in Jude verse 1. God calls us to himself. Here's the second one. The Lord makes us his beloved. Look at the text. To those who are called, that's the first treasure Next treasure, and beloved in God the Father. The Holy Spirit uses a very special word here, the word beloved. You'll see this word in John 3.16. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. This is a huge and important word in the New Testament and the Old Testament. In fact, it appears 110 times in the Bible the word beloved, beloved with beloved, it's a major truth. So what does it mean? Here it is. The word beloved communicates, I just got to, I just got to savor this moment. Most of us, not most of us, some of us did not come from homes where our fathers showed much regard for us. And so there is this troubledness in our souls when it comes to our relationship with our Heavenly Father. Because where do we take our read with regard to our Heavenly Father? We take it from our earthly Father. And some of us just didn't have that kind of an example for us. Forget that for a moment, but now listen to what the word beloved means about our Heavenly Father. It communicates the idea of tenderness, affection, and intimacy. Our Heavenly Father wants to relate to us with tenderness and affection and intimacy. Sort of strikes out some of the images we might have about our earthly father. Psalms 127 verse 2. He gives to his beloved Even when they're sleeping, he's tender and caring and affectionate for us. Now, the grammar here is amazing. The word beloved is perfect passive participle. (laughs) And I just lost most of you just on that last sentence. Perfect passive participle. You gave up English grammar back in high school. And you don't want to hear an English grammar lesson today. But you've you just got to savor this, and, and not that you need to know this kind of stuff in order to read and get more out of your Bible, but it sure helps sometimes, and here's one of the places. The word "beloved" is a perfect passive participle, which means and you'll get this: God's love is perfect. Nothing can be added to his love. It's complete. And because it's a passive voice, it means that God himself takes the initiative to come to us and love us and make us his beloved. He's always taking the initiative of reaching out to us. Now, let me show you how this looks in 1 John 4, 19. You know this passage by heart, so I don't even have to go through it, but I'll just say it anyway. We love him. You finish the sentence. We love him because because he first loved us. The heavenly father tenderly, affectionately, and intimately reaches down into our lives and he calls us to himself. And it doesn't just stop there. Because his love is perfect, it's perfect all through this life and into the next life. We cannot buy God's love with good works. We cannot buy God's love with morality or religion. We can only receive God's love as a gift that he gives to us. So let me put it all together. We are affectionately and tenderly loved by the Lord, and because he loves us first, and we bring nothing to this, we can love him back. We receive it as a gift. His love for us is without diminishment, without conditions. It never wavers. His love is never hot nor cold. We are loved by our Heavenly Father forever. Sunday mornings for the people that I served I served churches in Illinois and in Iowa and Minnesota. Do you know where the worst day of the week, the worst morning of the week were for families in my churches? Do you know when it was? I heard it Sunday morning. You'd see people come into church, the husband and the wife and the children. And and, and you you knew what had happened. The wife is getting the kids ready for church. They're, the kids are dawdling. And, and, and the mothers are, are impatient. The dad's impatient. We've got to go. Come on, come on, come on, get in. And they just, they're just shoved into the car or into the van. And off you go. And you're in a fury. And there's words exchanged back and forth. And it's a little testy. And they, they, get, out the, they get out of the car and they come into church. And you could see it. You can read it on their faces. And not a good morning for most families at church. Here is when we have to take a deep breath. I am beloved by the Lord. He cares for me intimately, affectionately, and personally. Nothing can strain that relationship. He loves me no matter what. And remember, He proved how much He's willing to love us by putting His own Son, Jesus Christ, on the cross. You know, you've seen that old statement, how much much does God love us? That's how much he loved us. He put Jesus on the cross. We are beloved. Say, Say that to yourself every day. I am beloved of my Father. Treasure number one. Here's the first treasure. We are called by God. That's a supernatural call. Treasure number two, we are beloved by the Father. Now we get to treasure number three. The Lord keeps us for Jesus Christ. If you're looking at the text, verse 1, to those who are called, beloved in God the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ. Now, this verse, this section of verse 1, pushes us from spiritual millionaires to spiritual billionaires. Elon Musk has nothing on us. We are wealthy because of that statement. We are kept for Jesus Christ. The word kept... Here's what it means, to guard or to attend carefully. It's the idea that the Lord keeps a watchful eye on each of us. He observes our life. He preserves our life. He holds us securely in his life. And hold on to your English lesson, folks. It's a perfect passive participle. (laughs) I just say that to just aggravate people. It's a perfect passive participle. What does that mean? It is on him and not on us to be kept safe. It's on the Lord to keep us safe. And because it's a perfect passive participle, it's perfect in keeping us safe. Okay, I know it gets a little little dicey because life has its ups and downs, but God is the one that's in the middle of the storms. He's walking with us even in the middle of the storms, preserving and keeping us secure and kept. Do you remember when Jesus taught his disciples about how to pray? That's Matthew 6, 25. And he tells them, don't be anxious about what you will eat or what you shall wear, what clothing you should have on. And then he says, look at the birds in the sky. This is verse 26 of that Matthew 6 passage. Look at the birds in the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, but your heavenly Father feeds them. Then he says these words. Are you not more valuable than those birds? The Lord takes care of his people. And he sees us right from this life into the next life. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. If there's one of those passages you probably should put into your heart, it's this one. Especially on bad hair days. And if you're like me, there's probably more bad hair days than there used to be. Here it is. Philippians 1.6. I'm confident of this one thing, that he who began this good work in you will complete it in the day of Christ Jesus. Once God sets his affections, once you've responded to his call, you are going to be kept until you're completed in Christ Jesus from now And right into eternity. This is what it means to be kept protected by our Father, provided for by our Father, and kept secure in this life and the next one to come, no matter the storms of life. There is a passage in Daniel chapter 3. It's the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I always want to say a bed we go, because that's what we said to our kids. Shadrach, Meshach, and a bed we go. But it's a (laughs) bed and a go, to get it exactly right, Um, it's a bed and a go. And remember, we talk about, you know, woke culture today and cancel culture and, uh, you know, the secular culture of today. Oh, oh, back in their day, it was beyond comprehension what those boys had to live through. So Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. He sees a golden statue. He decides he's going to build a golden statue, and he's decided that all the people in his kingdom must bow down to worship that golden statue. So all the people do, except for those three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The king is very upset. These are, these are his prized wise men. We're not, we're not going to do that. The king says, you better, or you're going to be thrown in that fiery furnace. Well, king, you know, our God may deliver us. But if he, if, the, if he doesn't deliver us, know this, we will never bow down to your idol. So then the king went out of his tree and he caused the fire, the furnace to be burning more hot than it was before. And he took this, told the shol- soldiers, take those three guys, get them out of my sight and throw them into the furnace. You ever heard of spontaneous combustion? When those soldiers got close to that fire, what happened to them? They burned up. And into the fiery furnace went Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The king looks down from his lofty throne, Mr. Arrogant himself, and he says, did we not throw three men into that furnace? I see a fourth. And that fourth one looks like The Son of the Gods. I believe that that was Jesus Christ in his pre incarnate glory. And he was standing, keeping his people safe, even amidst the fiery furnace. These are the treasures that God gives to his people, called by God into his kingdom. Loved by the Father affectionately, tenderly, and intimately, and then kept safe even in the storms of life. So what do we do with these three treasures? First application point, ask yourself this, do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you met the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you surrendered your life to Jesus Christ? It's one thing to know him, and it's another thing, it's one thing to know him in your mind, it's another thing to believe him in your heart. Romans chapter 10, verse, um, verse 8 and verse 9. If we confess with our lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. Someone said, could have been Louis Palau, I don't know who it was, that most people will miss heaven by 18 inches. The distance between their head and their heart. You may have gone to Sunday school all your life, and have never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. You may have attended church all your life and never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. Jesus makes a bidding call through the gospel of Jesus Christ, come unto me all who are worried, heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He's making his invitation today through the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's inviting you to repent and to believe. So do you know this Lord Jesus Christ? And if you do, then all the treasures that we read here in Jude 1 and all of them in the Bible are yours, right into heaven. Now, what if you're a follower of Jesus Christ? Every place I go, I say the same thing. I'm sure that if I was here for three or four more times, you'd hear the same thing. Let me just back up and Some of the most fearful people I've met in my life are Christians. That's the truth. I've listened to their stories. I've listened to their concerns. And fear grips them. These three treasures that Jude gives to us in verse 1 should cancel out the fear and the anxiety that we feel in life. We are called, we are beloved, we are kept. A Christian has no reason to fear. Re- Revelation 20 verse 6 says, You will reign with Christ one day. Everyone who calls on Christ will reign with Christ one day. Why not live courageous lives today? Zechariah 2 verse 8 says, You are the apple of God's eye. Why do not live securely in his love today? Thomas Thomas Chisholm is not a household name. You've probably never heard of this guy. But he was sickly. Uh, He had broken health. He was sickly a lot of the years of his life. And one day, he sat down. He started to think about, in spite of his sickness, he started thinking about the blessings God had bestowed upon him. And uh, he took pen and paper and he wrote these words. Great is thy faithfulness, O God my Father. There is no shadow or turning with thee. Thou changest not, thy compassions they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever will be. Great is your faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness. Morning by morning new mercies I see. All I have needed thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. But it's the last stanza in that great hymn. Pardon for sin and a peace that endureth. Thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide strength for today, and bright hope for tomorrow, blessings all mine, and ten thousands beside. Can you join me? Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness, Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All that I needed, Thy hand hath provided. Great is Thy faithfulness, Lord unto me. Father, we love You because You have loved us. You have called us, you have loved us, and you have kept us safe. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.